St. Rumor. Rebound loose at the top of the crease. Rashad score! Bergeron! Bergeron! In game seven! And the Bruins win the series! Lucic is working him over here. Lucic pulls him back. Another uppercut. Throw in the towel. It's a mercy killing. Advance to the conference semis for the second consecutive year. You're listening to the Spoke Beat Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Zach Weiner, Jesse Gaunt, and Andrew Cox. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Spoke Beat Podcast. We are back uh, with a playoff uh, episode. Unfortunately, our moods are not where we would hope they would be when we uh, convened here. As we cu- we are currently recording after Game Four, the Bruins had just dropped the one nothing decision to the uh, Ottawa Senators and now trail the series three one, heading back to Ottawa. Their playoff hopes are hanging by a thread. Uh, never in Boston Bruins history have they ever come back from a three one deficit. And so uh, we're gonna you know talk about the games a little bit, um, talk about what's going on with this team, what's wrong, what's unlucky. Um, what we like. We'll take a little bit of a look at the other series around the NHL as well. Um, we're missing Andrew Cox tonight. Um, wish him all the best as uh, he's uh, rocking the West Coast, and we're definitely a little jealous. So it's uh, myself and, uh, and Jesse Gantz tonight, thanks to producer uh, John Schantz as usual. Um, and this episode, um, as always, is brought to you by Bruins Life. So, uh, you know, Jesse, sucks that we're here where we are right now. Um, it's three to one. We got the opponent we wanted, and we knew we knew going into the series. We knew two things for sure. The first thing we knew was that Ottawa plays a boring game with their trap and the Bru- that one three one trap, and the Bruins would need to find a way to beat that trap. And the second thing we knew was that the best player on the Senators, yes, they have Bobby Ryan, yes, they have uh, Kyle Turris. Yes, they got a great goalie in Craig Anderson. Yes, th- yes, they have a, a quarterback on their power play in Derek Broussard. Maybe a little bit of an attack with uh, Dion Phaneuf. But we knew for certain that their best player and is their captain, Eric Carlson. And the Bruins would need to, to hit him and to stop him in order to have any chance in this series. And pretty much the story of this series so far has been that the Bruins have been unable to break that trap. Um, and they have been absolutely unable to stop Eric Carlson. He has been an absolute force in this series. Bobby Ryan happens to be the one who's uh, you know putting the finishing touch on the Carlson passes, but this guy is skating around the ice as well, and it's just killing this team. So just a quick recap of the, of the four games so far. Um, <clears throat> first of all, the Bruins have been skating without four of their six defensemen. They've pretty much got the Providence Bruins out there. Krug's been out the whole series. Carlo's been out the whole series. McQuaid's pretty much been out the whole series. They just got Colin Miller back, but he's been out for a large amount of the series. So you got guys like Joe Morrow out there. Tommy Cross, who we'll get to in a little bit, uh, got some time in the game. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, who wasn't even supposed to be in this series, and we had predicted uh, you know, in our last episode last week we wouldn't be seeing him. He Not only has he been playing, but he's been getting over 25 minutes a game 
which is crazy. Um, he's also probably been the MVP, but the, the, you know, it's still in of itself crazy. Um, and David Krejci missed the first uh, two games of the series. He's back now, but he is not David Krejci. You can clearly see he's playing hurt. He's not skating the same. He doesn't have that offensive touch. Uh, Frank Vetrano left TD Garden last night in a boot. So just a lot of injuries. Noel Achari missed a, a, you know, a couple of games in this series. And it's, there are a lot of injuries. And you know around this time, everyone's playing hurt. But I, you know, this is out of the ordinary for sure. And it's a huge issue. The Bruins did steal a game, uh, game one, um, even after getting zero shots on goal in, in the second period. Um, they got and down one nothing. They got goals from Frank Vitrano and Brad Marchand. Uh, and you know they had Tuukka Rask, who's been stellar the entire series. They had him to thank as he totally stole that game. It was McAvoy's first career NHL game. He went 24 minutes and 11 seconds. Um, and, you know, we actually were feeling pretty good. And we were feeling even better when the Bruins jumped out to a 3-1 lead in Game 2, um, getting a goal from uh, Drew Stafford. Ottawa tied it at 1. But then they got a shorthanded goal from Tim Schaller, a power play goal from uh, Bergeron, I believe, um, off a, a shot by uh, Pasta. And, um, you know, everything was riding high. And then the Bruins came out flat again in the third period, could not get anything going, um, couldn't really muster up any shots, couldn't break that trap, let Ottawa back into it. A dumb delay of game penalty by Char at the end of regulation uh, sneak, you know, that creeped into overtime. And even though the power play was over, they were still discombobulated. Ottawa got a power play goal to tie the series up. They come back for their first home playoff game in three years, and they come out flat. Outshot 17-4 to at one point. They're down 3 nothing. Um, they storm back for a... Um, to tie the game. We had all the momentum in the world. They got a goal from Achari. They got a goal uh, from Bacchus. They got a goal from Pasta on a power play. And then uh, just a dumb penalty by Riley Nash, which we will discuss as well, um, gave them, uh, put Ottawa again on a power play. And again, they won 4-3 to three in overtime um, on a power play goal. And then last night, I thought Tukarask was fantastic again. Uh, Bobby Ryan, the lone goal on a just beautiful pass by Carlson, who, like I said, has had his way with us the whole time. Um, Achari had made it one nothing on a sh- uh, tipped-in shot from McAvoy, but they called the- they called it back on review. It had been offside, been offside like 25 seconds before, but offside nonetheless. Just 10 combined shots in a, in a you know a must-win type of game. Just 10 combined shots in the second and third period. They could not break that trap, um, and just. You know, that's the story of it. We knew the mission going into the series was to beat the trap. They haven't been able to do it. Carlson's been the MVP. And uh, now, Jesse, we're heading back to Ottawa, um, hanging by a thread. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't even really know where to start because, I mean, there's just been a whole lot of bad in this series. So just to be, you know, just to be a little bit different, I'll start with what I've liked. And a couple of things stand out to me. What I've liked the most, I think, is the play of Rask because we all know that he needed to be huge in this series for them to have a chance. And even though they're down 3-1, I mean, he's the least of their problems. He's been awesome in just about every game other than maybe parts of Game 3 and parts of Game 2. But you're right, he stole Game 1. He should have had a better result last night. This series should at least be 2-2. But, you know, that's just the way that it's gone. And then the other positive is Charlie McAvoy. I mean... We'll probably talk about this more a little later, but 
he's been he's been really good. He looks like he belongs up there. He hasn't looked nervous. He hasn't really made any egregious mistakes. I mean, this kid this kid belongs, and he's you know, but for all intents and purposes, he's going to start the year with the Bruins next year. So it's definitely uh-huh. something to look forward to. I mean, he's you know he's shown up. He's been one of their best players in the series, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing because when you're asking a 19 year old kid, I mean, he played what 24 minutes last night. When you're asking a kid that age, you know, who's who's never played in the NHL up until about a week ago to do all this, I mean, considering the circumstances, he's you know he's playing pretty well. And now we're gonna get to the bad, and I'll try and keep this short because there's just so much. But uh, just they haven't been able to beat the trap, and that was one of the things that I kept harping on in the preview show, that they have to find a way to do that. And we all knew that. It's not like I'm breaking any news there. But, I mean, Marshan really hasn't shown up other than Game 1. Bergeron hasn't done much other than that goal in Game 2. Backus hasn't really done much other than uh, uh, Game 3. So, really, the only players who I think are performing well are Rask, McAvoy, and and Chara, and you know that that's crazy to say about Chara because he's four years old and he's playing almost thirty minutes a night. But he's looked pretty good considering you know his age and what they're running out there on defense. The worst part of this whole thing is they're missing, like you said, Krug, McQuaid, and Carlo. And I really feel like if at least Krug was in the lineup, this series would be a whole lot different. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Here's what I'll say to what you just said. Um, I agree with you. Marshan uh, has needed to be better, especially last night when he had three breakaways and didn't finish any of them. Um, You know, we've we've definitely needed him a lot more this series. Um, I also agree with you that uh, you know we need a little bit more from Backus. I I don't like you know I I don't I don't walk away from these games being like oh fuck like you know what the hell Backus. But I do agree that we could use a little bit more from him. Um, I actually think, you know, I, I, I think Ber- I, I, I think Bergeron's shown up this series. I'm not going to lie. He's winning his face-offs as per usual, and he's being that defensive forward. The offensive numbers are not there, um, but I think there are a couple reasons for that. First of all, we're not four lines deep like we, like we want to be. I mean, they had fucking Tim Schaller on, on the second line for game four. Um, and that's, that is going to take away... From you know that's gonna give a lot more attention to your first line when that happens. Um, you know we've been we've harped a little bit on Bergeron this season, but yet again he was recognized for the sixth time he was gonna be a Selkie finalist this year, and I and I think that goes to show that as a defensive forward he is the best in the league, and I think he's done that in this series. Their penalty kill, they you know they, they've given up a, I think they've given up three power play goals um, in in the series. Um, one with Tommy Cross on the ice, so I kind of leave that one out. Um, so the uh, but Bergeron on the penalty kill has been has been very good. Um, so I've actually been pretty pleased with him. The thing about Chara is that we said all the way back in our first episode preseason that if the Bruins ever want to have a chance um, at doing something this year, they need to keep Chara's ice time to around 20 minutes. He's too old to to you know be pulling the 25 that we're used to him seeing him do, and he's doing like 30 minutes a game uh, in this series. I think he's doing like 28, 29. And then he's with Matt. Last night he did a. Um, he and McAvoy had a two-minute and forty-second shift. It was unbelievable. And they had McAvoy on for an entire power play at one power play at one point. Um, and it's just you know again, Achar has been fantastic. But I, I don't. We don't want Char to be doing that. That's not that. That's not what he's built to do anymore. He's not the twenty-five to thirty-year-old he used to be. And that's what's pissing me off about that. And my my frustration around the trap is that. Uh, and we talked about this in last week's episode, um, and that is that 
In 2011, when they played the Tampa Bay Lightning, who had the same coach behind their bench, Guy Boucher, they were also playing that 1-3-1 trap. And Claude Julien, he wrote up a play that, that helped break that trap. I don't see Cassidy doing much except for mixing and matching lines. I don't really see him, you know, making in-game adjustments to break that trap. I mean, when you come out flat in the second period, Jesse, you you gotta do you gotta make some adjustments to like your season's on the line. You're gonna be going back to Ottawa down three to one, and, and they come out and they 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 didn't have a shot for over eight minutes in the third period. In the third period. Yeah, it's not good. And I mean, I don't really know how much is he jumbled the lines, really, because I kept seeing Ber- the Bergeron, Marchand, Backus line out there the whole night. Schaller was on the, the second line for pretty yeah. much the entire game. Like, that, I guess if there's one criticism I have of Bruce Cassidy for as great a coach as he's been since he took over, he's not, at least it doesn't look like he's really good at making adjustments. I mean, yeah. you, you just said it. They came out flat in that third period, and they looked flat in the second period, too. But even more so, the third period last night, it looked like after Bobby Ryan scored, they just mailed it in. Yeah. And it was just like, all right, well, we're not going to score, so let's just figure out, you know, let's just play until the clock stops. And that, and was- that last minute, they seemed to kind of like get a second win. But of course, at that point, it was too late. Marshan had a couple of really good chances to score in that like minute and a half that they pulled the goalie. So, I mean, look, it's, it's not an ideal situation. And not to kind of change the sub- subject. But this is why I didn't really want to play Ottawa. I know we wouldn't have had much more luck with the Capitals, but like they just they haven't been able to solve this trap. And I mean, look, you're down three one. They've never come back when being down three one. I don't know if I see it happening, but they they got to figure out how to do how to break this trap. And the one thing that I remember them saying on the broadcast, I watched the uh, the USA Network broadcast last night, yep. and one of the things that Brian Boucher who was doing the color was saying that. They wanted to try and create more plays from behind the net, and they were doing that early in the first period, and then they just kind of seemed to get away from it, and they were just, you know, dumping and chasing the puck. And it's like if you're gonna try, if you're gonna keep doing that, it's not gonna work. So you know, make adjustments and try and get try and create offense other ways. It's just it what they're doing just isn't working. And maybe maybe it's Krejci not being healthy. I I I have I really don't know. I mean, with with all the injuries that they have, I don't think they're I don't think they're beating anyone in in, in the pool right now. It's like I, I, they just they can't compete. I mean, you you you're watching last night, and whenever there's a race for the puck, they lose these guys. You know, Joe Morrow and you know Tommy. Cross, oh, that dude sucks! And, don't even get me started on Morrow. That's, that's what I'm saying. These guys don't belong out. They, they they don't they don't belong out there. And then even like Kevin Miller, like you know Kevin Miller's playing longer minutes than than he's used to, and so they're losing every single race. And it's having an effect uh, from the bottom uh, up to the top. And, and like I said, when you're missing certain forwards or when guys like Krejci are playing hurt and they just can't do what they, what they normally do, that's going to affect your first line. And, you know, our third line is, is total crap right now. Um, Spooner is, is non-existent. Sucks. Uh, yeah, he sucks, man. Um, and, I mean, the, 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 really the, the, the really frustrating, the big frustration I had uh, last night, I had two big frustrations I had three big frustrations last night. Number one was that Mapoleski was was scratched, meaning like I'm pissed off that like he's been so bad that he has to be scratched. Um, at, like we're paying him, we're paying we're, we're, we're he was the big contract before they brought in Bacchus, and the, the guy had like 
two or three goals on the whole season, and now he's being fucking scratched in the playoffs when he's like, you know, when he was basically brought in for his playoff capabilities after what he did with Anaheim. So that really pissed me off. The second thing that um, that, that killed me was um, the, the lack of discipline, which also leads me to the third thing that frustrated me. A lot of lack of discipline with this team. First of all, you notice that they were all like bumping into each other throughout the night. Oh, um, and in the third period, they just they could not handle a pass to save their fucking lives. How many was, times in this series, to, to your point, real quick? Yeah. To, how many times in this series have we seen two players collide with each other? It's unbelievable. It, it, like, what are, what are they doing? And then the other thing is that it, it seems like Cassidy's uh, his solution to to beating the one three one. It seems like his solution is the long range pass, which isn't working. No, you know? it's not. I mean. How like how many times have you seen them try and gain entry into the zone, and then two or three Ottawa de- or players are at the blue line ready for them? Like they can't get the puck in deep. They're playing along the half wall, trying to create something from like the slots in the half wall, and it's just not working. And it's it's so frustrating. I want to I want to piggyback off of one of the points you made because you had mentioned this a couple of minutes ago, and I didn't I didn't get a chance to say this the first round of times I talked. But you mentioned that Riley Nash penalty, and this goes yeah. back to them playing undisciplined. I want to talk about the officiating real quick in this series. And I, and I am not one to blame referees for anything ever. And I, I hate that I'm about to be this person, but I'm about to be this person. The officiating in this series has been so one-sided. I mean, do you remember game three? Mark Mathot was just going around punching dudes in the face all night and nothing was called. That penalty on uh, on uh, Tim Schaller in game three, I think I actually I think they they both got minors or Shower was the only one in the in the box. Yeah, I don't remember. Minors and it was bullshit. Yeah, it was total bullshit. And like, like Moore got called for a hold last night, which wasn't a hold. Like Otto was just getting every single call in the world, and it's ridiculous. Like, granted, some of the calls have been legit. Obviously, the the, the one that comes to mind is the char delay of game penalty at the end of uh, the third period in game two. Obviously, that's that's the right call, but like. Just some of the stupid penalties that that, that that the officials are calling. It just it makes it harder when you have to beat Ottawa and you have to beat the officials. Okay, but here's one thing I want to say, Jesse, and that is that what the what the refs missed in Game Three on the Riley Nash penalty is not the Riley Nash penalty. It's they missed they missed the Bobby Ryan penalty. Oh like, yeah, what, the Nash penalty is totally legit. I have no issues with that. Say it again. I said I have no issue with them calling a penalty on Riley Nash. Because exactly, because what, what he did was selfish, stupid, and, un, and undisciplined. Now, now it, that should have been a four-on-four, four, and that, that's a, just a horrific job by, by the ref. But, like, in the fucking playoffs, like, Nash has to be better. Yeah, no, he absolutely does. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like, and this is why I don't like blaming officials for shit like this. But, like, when you miss stuff that is so egregious, like the Riley Nash thing, that like you gotta call that it's the playoffs like you gotta be fair but the, I just I just don't think that the, I don't think the officials are being are, are being fair here that's all okay but explain something to me now but explain something to me so so Nash goes off right so yep. we're we're in, we're in we're in overtime uh, it's a one one series uh, sorry it's a uh, it is a it's a one it's one to one in the series Nash goes off you're shorthanded it's overtime in the playoffs. What's Tommy Cross doing out there? Why is he on the ice? I, I, I guess they have no, they have no other options. I mean, you should be playing Char at that point if you need to, you know. I, I don't, I don't know. Was Char out there at that time? I don't remember. 
I can't remember, but but basically, is Carlson got the puck in his own zone. He just slapped a, a just a gorgeous pass up there. Totally split the defense. Basically, everything the Bruins have been trying to do all all series. Um, and they had a little give and go, and uh, and won the game. It was a it was, but before you could even breathe, the Ottawa had already uh, had already won the game. It was it, it, it was crazy. But I mean, when you know you like the the second guy always gets caught. Right, so the the refs are the refs are missing the first guy, but the second guy still always gets caught. So like I don't I didn't walk away from, like I didn't walk away from that from game three being like fuck the refs fuck the refs. I was like fuck Riley Nash. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the middle because yeah, you're right. It wasn't the smartest thing to do at that point, but like I said, you got to make that call because who 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 was defending Nash on that play for Ottawa. Was it Burroughs? It may have been, but he got caught. I think caught, it might have been Burroughs. He got caught in the corner. He got caught in the corner with uh, with Ryan. That's where it happened. And Ryan basically just, like, shoved him in the face. But then he just threw an uppercut, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you're you're right. You're always the, – the second guy to, you know, commit an offense like that is always going to get called. But when you're getting hit in the face, I mean, they're trying to, you know, get rid of, like, hits to the head and all that other shit and high sticking to the face and whatever – like you gotta call that. Like that's Not a penalty different. every single time. Okay, but then staying on the subject, staying on the subject of of uh, undiscipline. Let's talk about. So now you know your season's on the line because it's it's game four and you're down two to one and you're down one nothing in the game and there's four minutes left in the game and you gotta get your shit together. You need to get your shit together um, very quickly or else you're heading back to on the road down three games to one and they get a too many men on the ice. That's a joke. I can't believe it. how many times in this in this organization's history are we going to have too many men on the ice in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean we all know what the obvious one is. But yeah, like didn't didn't they get? I can't remember. Was it Game Seven against Montreal in 2011 that they got a too many men on the ice penalty that set up the PK Subban goal with a couple minutes yep. left? Or was that a penalty nope. on Bergeron? No, nope. oh nope. uh, yeah, you're right. Actually, no, it was a Bergeron high stick. Yeah. But, like, it's just stupid shit like that because I've seen them, like, in, in the regular season, uh, like, maybe a year ago, get called for too many men on the ice a couple of different times. And it's just, like, every time it just – why? Like, what – like, I, I don't understand. I don't even know what to say because it's just so – like, that is – of all the penalties that you can take late in a game, that one might be the dumbest. It's 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 unbelievable. It's the it, like these guys get paid millions of dollars. They've been playing hockey their their whole lives, and, and and also like this wasn't even like a guy stepped on the ice and the puck went there, so it was like an unlucky too many men. There were literally six fucking guys on the ice. Yeah, they just have to be smarter about this, and it, I like this goes back to my whole point that I thought that after that Bobby Ryan goal, they just mailed it in last night. Yeah, it's, it was very very frustrating. I do want to say uh, one thing though. So I, one of the things I've been doing, I, I, I'm trying to stay positive. You know, I'll, you, you go on Bruins Twitter, and everyone's acting like the series is four to one, and, and it's, it still is three to one. Um, if they pull off a road win tomorrow night, the series comes back to Boston, um, and you know he's got to take a one game at a time. And but even with that being said, I've been doing some thinking about next season a little bit, um, and the first thing that comes to mind, just to piggyback on your point earlier is, uh, I mean, Charlie McAvoy, the guy is the truth. We've been saying it all season. Um, he to, to come in and the pressure that he's under, um, and now he's just completely raised the expectations on, on everyone. Um, 
he, it's been special to watch. He, he looks like a, a, a veteran. Um, USA put out the craziest stat last night during the game that um, Charlie McAvoy was not yet born when Chara took the ice for his first ever NHL game in his rookie season. He was born, yeah, he was born four months later. So and now and now McAvoy's pulling twenty five minutes a game on on a line with Chara. I thought that was just unbelievable. And he looks like he's a ten year veteran out there. They're they're gonna they're gonna completely build their defense around him. When you guys when you got guys like uh, Lindgren and Zaboral uh, coming up as well, plus you're getting Carlo and Cruz back, um, it's gonna be special. Yeah, and so here's a couple of things, and they're all gonna tie in together of what I want to say. But the goal at the beginning of the season was to make the playoffs, correct? Correct. Okay, so they did that. Yes, I'm not happy that they're down 3-1, but I would consider this season a success because they made the playoffs and anything that I mean, happened after I mean, that. This is, these are injuries that, that we, we, I've never seen a, a team have in my yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. That's why I want part of me wants to give them a pass because of all the injuries that they've had. But at the same time, like this series has been so winnable. Like All these yeah. games have come down to one goal. They, the Bruins could have easily – well, maybe not easily – but they could have swept Ottawa, and Ottawa could have swept them. They could be the Bruins could be going back to Ottawa tomorrow up three one easily. Yes. So I mean, yes, they're down three one. We've said that a million times already. But I know it looks bad, but I'm not ready to I'm not ready to declare them dead yet. Just because these games have been so close, and these games, like I just said, all of them have been winnable despite the injuries that they've had. Okay, so you, you literally you literally just like took my next point, which is perfect, and that is that despite all the injuries, despite not being able to break this trap, despite Eric Carlson literally just having just having his way with them in every way possible, hockey wise, sexually, whatever you want to say, literally just killing this team, despite Bobby Ryan killing this team. Despite Craig Anderson looking like a Vezina winner out there, despite all that, all four games in the series have been one-goal games and a little bit of puck luck. And and like you said, it's three-one going the Bruins' way, and that's why I feel the same way as you. And that's why part of my mindset is if they they come out strong and come out, you know, like the type of first period the Bruins had in Game Four last night, if they. You know they were just a little bit of puck luck away from a two or three nothing lead going into the inter- into the intermission. So if you come out that same way in Game Five tomorrow night, you actually might get the goals, kind of like how they were in Game Two or sure. in the second period in the game, the second period of Game Three. You win Game Five. Now we're coming back for Game Six at, at home. You know. Oh, uh, yeah, but here's the thing: I want to see a full sixty minute effort because I haven't seen a full sixty minute effort almost at all in the series, maybe aside from game one. So, so, that's, what I, so that's the thing that I, that I think about this team. I think that they, the, re, the reason why they show spurts of, of great play and, and promising play is because they still do have the talent out there, but the way their roster is built right now, including all the injuries, meaning the roster that they have available, with all, that's not a 60-minute team. And so they, no, they, of course they're, it's they're, not. I'm saying, so they're just not capable. You know, and it, it, even like it's crazy because last night also like the I mean that Carlson that Carlson pass to Ryan was an absolute thing of beauty, not taking away from it at all. But Ryan had a little bit of trouble with the puck, and he just got the goal. 
you know? Charles. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like, Rask did everything he could on that play to stop him because he stopped the first shot with his stick. And, I mean, just an unreal goal by Ryan. I, I can I cannot take anything away from him for that. But, I mean, this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. Like, Rask has been excellent. And that yeah. was kind of that was kind of a microcosm of how the series is going. Like, Rask has made huge save after huge save, and he's still getting burned. Big, big game Rask has certainly shown up. Um, you know, he's given up a couple tough goals, but overall he's been just phenomenal. Um, the defense that's playing in front of him, um, you know, ha- has been really it, – it's not a defense that's playing in front of him. Outside of Chara uh, McAvoy uh, exactly. and Kevin Miller to an extent. I mean, you're running. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll, I'll give Kevin Miller his due. He's playing um, a shit ton better than he did against Montreal in uh, 2014 when he, you know, pretty much cost us the series um, in that game uh, game five debacle. Um, but, uh, or maybe game six. I think it was game six. It was game six. six. Yeah, game six. Um, but, you know, he's also Miller's had moments where uh, uh, you know I want to kill myself. Though Miller did, uh, we should mention that I have a feeling uh, 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 Pyatt is not going to be playing tomorrow night in Game Five. Kevin Miller absolutely trucked his ass, and uh, and he was right down to the room and didn't return. That's got to be a concussion, kind of similar to what we um, to what uh, Brandon Carlo um, is is dealing with. So you might have Pyatt out of the series. I never root for injuries. I never root for injuries, but you know now that there is one. I would say that that you know that certainly uh, benefits the Bruins to have Pyatt not on the ice. Yeah, so. no, I, I I think so too. But I mean, at the same time, the Bruins are more banged up than Ottawa is, and we yeah, all no, know that. Sure. So you know they're gonna. I know I know they're not a sixty minute team the way they look right now, but they're gonna have to play desperate for sixty minutes because, I mean, now now you are literally talking about your season is on the line, and you know this again. This is still I, they're down three one, but this is still a winnable series to me. Like I, I'm not I'm not ready to give up yet. Yeah, I mean, I, there everything you said is why I'm being positive. The reason why I'm being negative is I, I really just don't think this team has uh, any offense. I, the one of the things that they rely on um, it, in the postseason is Krejci being Krejci. He's you know Mr. Postseason Magic, and I'm just I was watching him skate last night. That's not David Krejci. He's, no, he he something looks off. Yeah, he, he's come back too early um, because, you know, he felt that he had to. Um, and so you don't have Krejci, and that pretty much, you know, takes away your, your second line. Especially You're rolling if, one line, basically. Exactly, exactly. So, like, I can't even be that upset that Marshan and, and Bergeron are struggling because when you're rolling one line, that makes it easy to defend, you know? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, look, the bottom line is just from a fan's perspective, it's just so disappointing even though there are people like me who are just happy they made the playoffs, it's still disappointing just to see them play this way because they're they're one they're better than this. Two, I think they're better than Ottawa. I just think Ottawa's system is better than theirs. It's just a bad matchup. Oh, I'll be I'll be the first to tell you, uh, number one, that um, you know no matter what, I'll call it a success. Number two, it'll be disappointing because the playoffs is always a new season. Um, and you felt that new season feel when they won game one and kind of, you know, took the season sweep right out of there. Um, but number three is that, uh, you know, as great um, as the team has been under Cassidy, and I have no doubt that they're going to sign Cassidy to a certain extent. Cassidy will be, uh, he'll get some type of contract and he'll be behind the bench 
Um, next yeah, season. I agree. I think so too. Yeah, no doubt. But as good as he's been, as good as the team has been um, with him, um, Guy Boucher is putting on an absolute clinic out coaching him. Um, and that's, you know, that's just how it is. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it sucks that I don't think they would have had much more luck with Washington. And I don't know that they would have had much more luck with Toronto. So I think either way, no matter who they were getting in the playoffs, it was a bad matchup. It just happens to be that Ottawa is the most boring of them. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's talk about Game 5 um, for a, a quick moment. Um, I'm going to see if I can get the Homer and Jesse Gantz out. Um, no, good luck. You th- do you think the Bruins bring the series back to Boston? Oh, man. I I don't know. I, the, the fan in me wants to say yes, but my head's telling me no. I, I just... That crowd's going to be nuts. And just with the way that Ottawa has played and the way they've taken advantage of the Bruins' injuries on defense, I I don't see it. But then again, I mean, I've been wrong a million times before, so let's hope I'm wrong. Because I'll tell you this much. This, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but if the Bruins win tomorrow, then I think it goes seven. That's how I feel. I'm not sure they win game seven. Do you remember, um, though, I, I believe it was... Um, 2008, the Bruins went down three games to one to Montreal. They played two extremely exciting games. Oh, game uh, six! Game six of that series is one of the best hockey games I've ever watched in my life. Best I've ever watched. It was unbelievable. They got a great, great win in Montreal in Game Five, and then Game Six was fantastic. That was a uh, that was our boy that we love so much, Mark Savard, uh, with a little bit of magic. Uh, some other guys played great. And, Sturm and Kessel and yeah, oh my god, that's right. I forgot Kessel was on that team. Kessel was Kessel was was the hero of that game six. Um, and Boston was riding high going into that game seven, and, and they, they got, just got killed. They got shat on by Montreal. Yeah. they were down. Oh, man, I remember nothing. that. They were down three nothing within like twelve minutes of the game. I think they lost five nothing. Um, Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas was pretty much the reason why they went seven in that series, and he was just gassed. Um, and oh my god, I'll, I'll never forget that. It was you know, but I, I I feel the same way as you, Jesse. I feel that if there is a game six in um, in Boston, they they win game six. Um, do they win game seven? I I have no idea. Um, I'll also tell you that if they if they force a game seven. Um, and losing seven, while I'll be absolutely heartbroken and you know want to put my head under a rock, I will be extremely proud that they you know they fought back. And, oh, same know, here. Yeah, and the way that you, um, I like the way that you worded it. The, the fan in you wants to say. So I, I'll say like the, the the fan in me sees the Bruins have two extremely heartbreaking losses in overtime in games two and three. And I see the way they come out in the first period of game four. And the fan in me says if they can just do that in the first period of game five, they actually might go into intermission with a fucking lead. You know? They haven't scored a first period goal yet um, in, in the series. So Have they know, had a lead at all? Or they, actually, yeah, they had a 3 1 lead. Yeah, I was going to say besides the end of game one and uh, parts of game two, they, they hadn't had a lead at home at all, right? They never had a lead at home except for the few moments when that goal was under review last night. Yeah, and you see what happens when they play with a lead because then Ottawa can't play their trap system aside from exactly, game two. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Ottawa, Ottawa's trap system is built to, to cling on for, for, for dear life. 
Um, it, you know what it reminds me of? It's not exactly the, the, the same system. It's not exactly the same system, but uh, when the Rangers made a Stanley Cup run in, uh, in 2014 and lost to the LA Kings, so the Rangers would, would get a lead in that series. In the Stanley Cup Finals against the Kings, the Rangers had a lead in Game 1. I believe they had a lead in Game 2. Uh, I can't remember if they, if they had a lead in Game 3. They ended up winning Game 4. But, they, but Game 4 is relevant also because they held on for dear life. And then they had a lead in... Um, in Did they have a lead in Game 5? I believe they had a lead in Game 5 in the game with a double overtime. But basically, yeah, they did. I remember that. Yeah. So, but basically, the Rangers would, would get a lead... And then they would sit back and, and try to trap them and hold on. And the Kings were such a good, dominant team that they were able to, to, to break everything the Rangers were doing. Um, and it was a little bit of a different system because the Rangers were basically saying, we have Henrik Lundqvist, so come and score on us. And then the Kings did. Um, but th- that's what Ottawa's doing. Ottawa's system is built to, um, to be a... a we have a lead, let's, um, you know, let, let's frustrate them. Let's... Uh, you know, let, 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 let's hold on to this. Um, and it also works when you're tied because when you're tied, you can sit back, frustrate the team a little bit, then try to get that one little shot in there and then go back into your trap and then go back out, get another shot. So like you said, once you get a lead, you, you take Ottawa completely off their game. The problem is the one time the Bruins did have a lead, which was that 3-1 lead in game two, um, they let up two quick goals, including not being disciplined and getting a stupid penalty and putting Ottawa on the power play. And Ottawa has a good power play. I said this before the series in last week's episode. Derek Broussard runs a great power play. It doesn't matter how how maybe disappointing his numbers were uh, during the regular season. Uh, he is a he's a powerful man on the power play. Um, and uh, I don't know. So we'll be watching. We'll be watching hard. Um, and before we start discussing the other series, um, I have. Uh, I have to to face the music a little bit, um, and this was a good suggestion from you, Jesse. Um, I'll give a shout out to uh, to one of our good friends on Twitter, Mark Allred, uh, who is over at the uh, Black and Gold podcast. Um, I've been in a little bit of a, a Twitter war with him. I won't say war because it's been friendly um, about Tommy Cross for the last few weeks, saying they got to get him in, they got to get him in um, in the lineup. I I still stand by. This in that I would still take Tommy Cross over Joe Morrow, and I got to the height of my volume calling for Tommy Cross in the lineup when um, when they called in Joe Morrow instead of Cross. Um, that being said, Cross, who is a career minor leaguer, he actually holds the record for um, games played for the Providence Bruins organization. Um, he's the captain of that team. He's probably going to be on another team next year, but um, he's a career minor leaguer. He got his call in Game Three, and uh, I love him. I love him, but boy, did he suck! <laughs> yeah, he was bad, and Game Four wasn't much better. Yeah, I mean, so he got he got when Colin Miller came back for Game Four. You know, my, I I knew Colin Miller was gonna, was going to come back in Game Four before Game Three. And so my hope was that Cross would play good enough to knock Morrow out of the lineup. Um, but once Cross had his performance, you knew Cross wasn't going to get in the lineup last night. Um, but the way you look at the, you know, just looking at the defense stepping on the ice last night, which I assume is going to be the same defense tomorrow night in Game Five. So you got Chara and McAvoy who are playing very well, but too many minutes. You have Kevin Miller, 
um, and Joe Morrow. Morrow doesn't belong on the ice, um, and uh, Kevin Miller is playing too many minutes for what he's capable of. And then you have Lyles and um, and Colin Miller. Colin Miller is is also clearly playing hurt, um, and you, he, you never saw him get a, a shot on net last night. He's got that powerful slap shot. I wonder if that's part of his his knee issue. He can't you know get a good pace onto his shot. So you know you might be looking at a three quarters or even half a Colin Miller. Um, and Lyles, he's playing well again for like you know what he's capable of, but he doesn't really belong out there either. So he's it, been it, invisible to me. I haven't exactly. I haven't even noticed he's been out there half the time. Exactly. He's not on the penalty kill. He's not on the power play. Um, he logs in the minutes he has to log in, and, you know, it is what it is. And I, I, I guess that that's him being him. Like, that's what they, br- they brought him here to be invisible, kind of, you know. Um, but in terms of, you know, when, when you're missing guys like Krug and Carlo, you, the guys you need to step up and not be invisible and be, you know, noticeable are the John Michael Lyles of the world. That's something that's uh, frustrating me. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not holding out much hope for Krejci to show up tomorrow night, but I, I'm hopeful that playoff David Backus will show up. Um, Vitrano left TD Garden after game four in a walking boot, which uh, has me thinking Bolesky could get his, like, what is it, 27th chance? Uh, so maybe we'll get something out of him. I don't know. Um, actually would make me think that Stafford would be on the third line um, and Bolesky would... Uh, would would slot in in the fourth line and then you know probably not do too much, um, but we'll see. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the the rest of the NHL. Um, we didn't know all the series um, all the series last last week. We certainly know them now, um, and it's been it's been playoff hockey at its best. We'll we'll start with um, with the Eastern Conference and just you know I'll, I'll get your thoughts on uh, on each series, Jesse. Um, tell me, you know, what, what you've seen, what, you know, maybe what you've liked and, uh, and then, you know, give me a prediction for that series. So we'll begin with the, the Rangers and the Canadiens. Um, that series right now is two, two. Um, the game is going on now as I'm speaking, I will check the score. It's uh, one nothing Montreal. I'm watching it right now. One nothing Montreal. So yeah, they got the, a power play with a little four, over four minutes to go in the first period. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm pulling up my app right now, but basically this series has been classic, New York Rangers postseason. Um, when we're thinking, I'm th- I'm going back to like the last like seven or eight years, basically as long as Lundqvist has been a net. Um, they they just they are shitting away Henrik's prime years, and they I don't know if it's a, the you know some years it's the offense not scoring, some years it's the defense leaving him out to dry. But I mean, this is a series that they should absolutely win. They are the better team than Montreal, and Montreal is totally frustrating them with their boring play. Montreal's the other boring team in this postseason, along with Ottawa, um, and it's working. And then they obviously, you know, they have, oh, the Rangers just tied it up actually. Yeah, uh, there was a, a two on one uh, shorthanded. Yeah, or two on two. I'm sorry, shorthanded. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, by uh, so fast gets the goal. Um, it, they, the Rangers are the the, the the better team on paper, and they are the better team overall. Um, and they just don't they they first of all they really really struggle um, when they play in Montreal for some reason. Uh, I mean, not for some reason. The Bell Center is one of the toughest places to play, um, but they they stole Game One, which was all Lundqvist making a, a billion saves. Um, Montreal they got, just took the lead. Oh, really? Yeah, eight seconds ago on a power play. So they got the power play goal. Yes, yeah, so they they, yeah. they it, yeah. 
So um, the, and I mean, and, and, and uh, that, I mean, that's, that's how, uh, that's what it comes to. So like this series, I, I know I've seen on Twitter, a lot of people talking about um, Henrik really showing his frustration um, on the ice with the defense. And so the, I guess right now it's the defense taking him out to dry a little bit. They've been low scoring games. So, so, you know, um, it's not like the offense has been showing up for them either. Um, is Rick Nash even playing? I haven't heard his name at all. Has he even yeah, scored a goal I, in the series? Uh, I've uh, I nicknamed him a few years ago. Um, I called him Rick Peyton Manning Nash because he gets all the glory for his regular season stats. Never shows up in the postseason. And no one ever calls him out for it. Um, and uh, you know, what what what's your take on the series and what's your prediction? So I picked I picked the Rangers in seven originally, but Montreal. I don't know what it is. Like Montreal just is playing better than they are. And I, and I, and you're right. I think the Rangers on paper are better than them, but honestly, the Rangers should be up three, one in the series. Cause if you remember, I think it was game two. They were up, they were up with 20 seconds left. Yeah. 20, 20 seconds left and Montreal ties it and then wins it in overtime. And I think that was kind of the, uh, the momentum shift because then I remember reading something that before, I think it might've been before game four when the Rangers were practicing, they just they were totally lifeless and just it seemed like they just didn't care. Then again, I mean they go out and then they win game four, but it's been more of a back and forth series than I thought it would be, even though I said seven games. I just I think Montreal has played better than I thought they would for periods of time. Uh, my prediction's probably gonna shift at this point because they're just flat out outplaying the Rangers. So I'm gonna say I'm going to say Montreal in six. Interesting. I, I think Montreal is going to take it um, in seven. I also predicted the Rangers um, to take the series uh, in seven. Um, and I, I I think Montreal is going to win tonight. Um, I think the Rangers come back home, get a desperation win, um, and then have one of their usual, uh, you know, tough games in Montreal. The only way I see the Rangers winning this series um, is uh, if Lundqvist, you know, puts on a Game 7 for the ages. Um, it's uh, well documented that uh, Lundqvist is quite the Game 7. He has quite the Game 7 history. Um, he's, you know, stolen a few Game 7s for the Rangers before, and they're going to need it again. Um, the winner of that series gets the winner of Bruins-Ottawa. Um, and that's another thing that really frustrates me, is that I, I think the, the Bruins can beat both the Rangers and, the, uh, and Montreal. So, you know, it's frustrating that, you know, all we got to do is get by Ottawa and we're making it very hard for ourselves. Um, moving on, we got Toronto and Washington, which uh, I called Washington in four. I believe you called Washington in five last week. And Toronto has been, I mean, they've been a surprise all season. Everyone has talked about how they're, uh, they're completely ahead of schedule. Um, and they're, Toronto's worrying me for like, you know, I, I, I've been saying for a long, I've been saying, you know, all season that, you know, three to five years from now, the Bruins are going to be a very, very good team. Three, three to five years from now, Toronto is going to be a fucking amazing team. And they sooner have, than that. Yeah, definitely sooner than that. You know, and, I, and I think, you know, now the Bruins got, are going to have to rush some of their prospects. Um, the Austin Matthews with 40 goals this year, he's hasn't missed a beat in the playoffs. Um, they just come out of nowhere. They 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 were up two nothing in game one, forced to come back from Washington. Washington got the OT win. Then uh, Toronto won game two in overtime. 
uh, in double overtime. Toronto won game three in overtime. And then uh, Washington barely escaped game four and escaped Toronto with a win to tie the series. Uh, so they're tied 2-2. I still think Washington takes the series. But already, I think if you're a fan of the Maple Leafs, you have nothing to be um, upset about. They're, they surprised everybody by making the playoffs. They surprised everybody with some of the stats they've put up with some of their players. Uh, they surprised everybody with a 2-2 series right now. And they're going to be right back in the playoffs next season. Uh, what do you got on this series? Oh, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. And I, I feel really dumb for picking Washington 5 because I knew, and I said this when I did the show with Andrew when you weren't able to do it, that Washington is a classic playoff choker, and I listed all of their playoff exits in the Alex Ovechkin era. Yep. And this is exactly what happens to them. They are the better team. They were the better team last year against Pittsburgh. They were arguably the better team against Montreal in 2010. And it's just they struggle in the playoffs. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if it's the players. But Toronto is one of those teams that – they're so dangerous not because of the talent that they have, and I'm not saying that they're not talented because they absolutely are, but they're so dangerous because they're literally playing with nothing to lose. Who expected Toronto to make the playoffs this year? I don't think many people. No. So this is why, this is why A, they're so much fun to watch, and B, they're going to be a pain in the ass for a team like Washington because look, look at it this way. Washington has sky-high expectations. This is the second year in a row they won the President's Trophy, and – it does. I'm not going to say it looks like they're choking because they're, the series is tied at two. So you can't really say that yet. But if they blow this, I mean, just imagine the backlash that that team's going to get if they blow this series against Toronto. And that's what makes them so dangerous. And that's what, honestly, I think has made this series the most fun one out of all the first-round series there are. Yeah, so I, um, what I'll say to you is that when I was thinking about their playoff choking, um, they well, first of all, they were the odds-on favorite, I believe. They were picked to um, they were picked to uh, win the Stanley Cup going into the postseason. And part of me actually like believed it, and now I absolutely do not believe it at all. Um, and when I look at their playoff chokes in past seasons, it was against teams like the Rangers. It was against teams like uh, Pittsburgh, right? It, 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 you know, they beat the Bruins in 2012. Um, and I saw them. I saw them beating Toronto and then getting Pittsburgh in the second round and losing in the second round. Um, and I still see that happening. But um, I, I, you know, I'm totally off on on Washington now. Um, it, it's been, been something. And one of the things that you know, I guess I didn't really realize it uh, when it, when they when they first made this move at the deadline. But really, what's been a big move by Toronto, and it pains me to say this because I can't stand him. But uh, it was getting Brian Boyle from from Tampa. Because they got this free-flying team, just full of rookies who are just all over the place, and you know they they got a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of skill and a lot of talent, and they bring in this one big guy who's a brute on the ice and is going to be there to stand up for every single guy. And he actually had a beautiful pass to set up the goal uh, that won it in double overtime in game two. So he's you know not only just being you know a kind of a goon, but to step up to stand up for his teammates, but he's also you know helping them on the offensive side. Um, it's been a good. It's been a you know the, a very good cohesion on that team. Mike Babcock, obviously a great coach, and so they they really got a a, a great thing going um, over in uh, Toronto. I still think Washington takes it. Um, I see like I see Washington having a great Game Five showing at home, and then um, 
you know, just taking care of business on the road and taking the series in six. So uh, moving on to finish up the Eastern Conference with Columbus. This has pretty much been a very one-sided series. Pittsburgh's up three to one, but they almost uh, they almost won Game Four as well. They're already up one nothing after one uh, one period here in uh, Game Five. They're the home team. I don't think there's much to talk about here, Jesse. They're clearly the better team. Columbus kind of limped uh, into the playoffs. They were on a six game losing streak before beating Toronto last game of the season. And uh, you know Pittsburgh, the defending Stanley Cup champion, is showing why uh, they're they're here to stay and most likely will be taken on uh, who we think uh, Washington in the second round. Yeah, I got one word to sum up the series, and this is all I'm going to say about it. Boring. Let's move on. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to the let's go to the Western Conference, uh, which we didn't really have a chance to talk about that much in uh, the in last week's episode. The one thing I will say that we did say in last week's episode was we refused to talk about the Chicago Nashville series because we thought it was a foregone conclusion that Chicago was going to handle uh, Nashville easily. And lo and behold, not only is Nashville up three games to none going into game four at home later tonight, but Nashville has is completely outplaying these guys. They did not give up a goal in the first two games on the road in Chicago. And even though game three went to overtime, Nashville has looked great. They have so much more energy than this team. Um, Chicago needs a miracle. Who would have thought, Jesse? I'm stunned. Of all the playoff series that I predicted... That one, I, I can't say I feel really dumb about it because I picked Washington in five, and that was really stupid. But right behind that is my pick of Chicago, and I think I picked them to sweep, if I remember right. But holy shit. I mean, where did where did this Nashville team come from? Because if you remember, in the beginning of the year, they were like treading water, and then they kind of turned it on in the second half. And then I remember the game they played the Bruins in. What was it, like two weeks before the season ended? And yep. they just looked like total shit. And I, I think at that point they had kind of already had a playoff spot locked up because they're, they're, they finished in one of the wild card spots. And just be, because of the way the West uh, shook out, they were going to make the playoffs no matter what. But that Chicago team is just so much more talented than Nashville is. And the fact that like Subban looks like his old self. Like he's shut down Jonathan Taze. Taze does not have a goal in the series. Pecorine is playing his ass off. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked. That's the and big point right there. Pecor- here's the Pecorine. thing. I haven't, I haven't unfortunately been able to watch any of these games live. So I've caught all the highlights and just what I'm seeing from the highlights Now, granted they're highlights, but it's just, it's, it's incredible. Like it, it, you almost, you almost watch this series and you think that Chicago is still underestimating Nashville. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the big point there is Pecorino. Um, he's always been, um, a very, very good goalie. Um, he's but, underrated because of the city he plays in. Exactly. Like a, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. He, he's always, he's always been a good goalie and he's always been acknowledged as a good goalie, but he just never really got, got his due. Um, and gets overshadowed by guys like you know Lundqvist, by Rask, by Carey Price. Um, but he, he's elite. And 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 the other thing about it is that he's never really been with a, a great team. Um, you know Nashville's always been good. They've always been on the fringe. You know a five, six, seven seed type of thing. Um, and so he kind of bows out in the playoffs in the first or second round. Um, the other thing I'll say is, I had this, the same thought as you. So they were treading water earlier in the season. Then they went on a run, and they were hot, hot, hot. And they everyone was saying they're legit. And then the Bruins killed them. 
the Bruins beat them like 4-1 or something like that. Spanked that, Yeah, I remember. And that was when the Bruins were struggling. So right after that game, I was like, ah, oh, fuck the Preds. Like, you know, they're, they're not for real at all. And I kind of like, you know, made them like a foregone, like, who cares, you know? And then they get they get Chicago in the first round. The, the, the stat that I shared last week was uh, not only were they playing in the – in the um, in the first round, but the other two times Chicago has faced Nashville in the first round, they've gone on to win the Stanley Cup. So it was like, oh yeah, you know, Chicago just take care of them, and you know, we'll see Nashville next year. Um, I got two things I, real real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Would it shock you if Chicago came back and won the series? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying if there's a team that can do it, I think it's them. Yeah, I mean, if if you gave me the Bruins down three to one, Columbus down three to one, Chicago down three nothing, I got to pick one team to come back. I'm picking Chicago for sure. Same here. And here's the last thing I'm going to say. We we just touched on this a second ago about Pecorine being underrated because he plays in Nashville. I, Nashville is Nashville's a good hockey city. Those fans show up and they've sold okay, out so every was, game this that year. That was what I was. That's what I was going to say is that, that, that part of me is, is actually excited about it because I love their fans in the playoffs. I love it. Oh, they're, they're nuts. It's great. I love that color. I love that color. And they get it throughout the entire stadium. All right. I don't even know. Uh, is, is, Fisher, is Fisher still on the team? You know, the guy married to Carrie Underwood? Is yeah, he he's still, the captain. He's the captain. First of all. I, and I feel like I, I, I like I should apologize to our listeners for not knowing that. Uh, but like, Carrie Underwood is so hot in a Predators. Dude, uh, dude, a, you, a Predators you, you stole my thunder. <laughs> that was, dude. I, okay, so I, I have to say this: I have the biggest crush on her, and I do not like country music at all. But I've gone to see her live just to look at her. Like, I do not. The money that I spent to go see her, I don't even give a shit. It was so worth it. But Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I, my like biggest turn on is a girl in Boston sports memorabilia. Put her in a Bruins shirt. Put her in a Pats shirt. A Red Sox shirt. That's like the hottest thing ever. And so Carrie Underwood was like a hot blonde in a Nashville jersey, that yellow jersey, which I love. I think they got the nicest jerseys in the in the NHL. It's incredible. He's a lucky guy. He's like, and he's a damn damn good player too. So you know he earned it. Um. And yes, I mean they're a great city. I love that. Yeah, they're loud in the playoffs. They they're, they're awesome. It, it actually is a good sports town. I um, they, I I feel that yeah, I feel for them. They're not having more teams. All the all the teams are down in Memphis, which is like three four hours away. But yep. um, anyway, yeah, so, it's a great hockey city. I mean, I yeah. I enjoy watching them play. I think they have really good fans. It's kind of a shame that they don't get recognized more. Yeah. Um, so I definitely hear you on Chicago coming back, um, but I also think Chicago could be a wounded duck and Nashville uh, finishes off the sweep later tonight. Um, speaking of sweeps, we'll just get to this, uh, you know, we'll glance over this quickly just because it's over already. Uh, last night, um, Anaheim uh, completed the sweep of the Calgary Flames. So Anaheim also uh, struggled early on in the season and then got red hot and, um, you know, uh, ended up uh, finishing pretty well in the standings. Calgary was a good team throughout the season. Uh, they also were a good home team um, throughout the season, and Anaheim just murdered them. Um, I know you hate Ryan Kessler, but I got to give credit where credit is due. He has been fantastic throughout the series. Him and Getzloff are doing what they were brought in to do. 
Um, Kessler had this great play where he just sat on the puck for the last 10 seconds of a game. I believe it was game one, maybe game two. Um, and uh, they just, just just handled Calgary easily. Um, I listened to one of the hockey podcasts I listened to, Spit and Chicklets. Um, they had a guy, Mike Com- uh, Commodore, on as a guest. And he uh, played for Calgary um, once in his career. And he said that Calgary is just unbelievable in uh, in the playoff time. So I kind of feel for the fans up there because they were so excited. They said the city was buzzing for weeks and weeks. And they just got just trashed by Anaheim. But, um, you know, we're talking about uh, Nashville, you know, being a sleeper. Don't sleep on Anaheim. That team, they won the cup back in 2007. They could, now with Chicago out of the picture, uh, they could be back in the Stanley Cup, Jesse. Yeah, I mean... I- the the one the one team that I actually picked to be a dark horse, which I guess really you can't really look at them as a dark horse anymore, is Edmonton. So if Chicago is out of the picture, I really want to see a Ducks uh, Oilers playoff series. I don't know if they can meet in the second round. I forget how the seating shapes out, or if they can meet in the conference finals. But one way or another, that's a series I want to watch. And the thing that I hate is that. I didn't watch a second of this series because of how late it starts. Yeah. But I just figured that Calgary would put up more of a fight. And I figured some of the guys on that team now, you could consider seasoned veterans, even though you know they're still young, like Goudreau, Dougie Hamilton, uh, uh, Sam Bennon, all those other guys. You would think that they'd be better. But they're not, and they're out. So, you know, I, I, I don't know who the Ducks are going to play next, but – that's a team that I'll be looking at now. I didn't really think I didn't think they were for real because they're another team that just kind of shows up at the playoffs and doesn't do much. But you never know now. If Chicago's out, then that opens the door for everyone else. I got a little bit of a hot take for you. Maybe not that hot because of all the things that have been said, um, but a little bit of a hot take for you, and that is that uh, you know Dougie Hamilton played for the team, played for the Bruins in the 2014. Uh, playoffs and now you know uh, a little bit of a rough going in uh, in this series against Anaheim kind of makes you uh, feel good about that trade now that he's you know he he wanted out of Boston anyways so like kind of like fuck him and then you get um, Senishin who's gonna be who looks like he's gonna be a stud for the Bruins you get Zaboral who could be a real uh, a real pillar on on the defense and it also enables you a year later to uh, bring in a guy like McAvoy and build your team around him and build your defense around him instead of instead of Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not to get too far off the subject here, but I still am okay with that trade, and I still think yeah. that it y- yielded good results for them. But you know, this could be uh, this could be a mini version of the old Hosa curse, if you remember that. <laughs> tell for our listeners. Tell them. The uh, what was it when Hope Marion Hosa was on the Penguins? Every in two- yeah, and, and he lost to Detroit, and then he was on Detroit and lost to the Penguins, or the or the, or the other way around. I yeah, I think he was on the Penguins first, and then he then he lost to Detroit, and then he went to Detroit and lost to the Penguins. And if you remember, he played on Chicago and who, where he's been ever since in 2010. It was his first year there, and when he they made the, the Stanley Cup, yeah, when they went when they yeah. made the Stanley Cup final against Philly in Game Six. The Flyers tied the game late, and the the game tying goal went off of Hosa's skate into his own net. Yeah, I remember. So that. I remember. I remember people blowing up saying, "Oh, it's the coast. Yeah, the, the coast. It's the curse of Hosa and all this other bullshit." Dougie Hamilton's been on a couple of playoff teams now and hasn't won squat. So yeah. I'm not never, saying, but I'm saying, yeah. You know. 
Dougie Hamilton should, should only be so lucky to get to a Stanley Cup final. Um, the and I, and I, I mentioned Zaboral and Senishin. You also got Jake Bobrovsky, who had a fantastic season in the minors, and uh, we could be seeing him next season as well. Um, and he looked good for the Bruins in preseason. He played with the, he played with Boston in the preseason. Looked pretty good. Um, you know, spent some time in um, Providence. He's now with uh, Providence for their playoff run. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, I think that that trade yielded uh, really good results. Um, meanwhile, every single person we got for Sagan is no longer on the team. So, you know, polar opposites. Anyways, um, let's get back. We got two more series to discuss. Um, St. Louis. Um, you know, this is becoming like an annual thing that uh, Minnesota goes into the uh, goes into the postseason with high expectations um, and just crumbles to to the earth. Um, the the one surprising thing. So I, I, I want to say two things about the series. First of all, so St. Louis is up uh, three games to one. They were looking for the sweep last night uh, at home, and the Wild uh, won two to nothing to bring the series back to Minnesota for Game Five, which I believe will be uh, t- nope, not tomorrow night. It's going to be on. Um, on Saturday, Saturday afternoon, uh, in Minnesota. The first thing I'm going to say is that the St. Louis Blues are the greatest team to never win anything, right? Every single year, St. Louis is called a contender, and every single year they bow out no later than the uh, uh, than, than the second round. Um, so I'm not buying into St. Louis at all. You cannot pay me any amount of money to buy into St. Louis. Um, you know, I'll talk about it when when they when they. Even if they make the third round, which they may, they, were they in the Western Conference Finals last year? They may I think have they were. Yeah, but 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 I, even then, even then, I wasn't I wasn't buying in. Um, they they have to win the Western Conference for me to, to then talk about, um, you know, if I think they're legit. So I, I I I'm not going there. They they're until until they until they uh, win the Western Conference. To me, you know, it's it's either Anaheim or Nashville or you know Edmonton or San Jose. That being said, Jake Allen has been out of his mind. I do not think I've ever seen a, I, I, I have seen. I mean, you're talking. You know, he's reminded me of uh, who was the um, who was the Calgary goalie um, when they went to the Cup that year, and he won the Conn Smythe over um, a Jaguar. He he's putting on Jaguar t- uh, type numbers. Wait for uh, Calgary? I thought it was Kiprasov. No, no, no. I'm talking about. So then, who who did Jaguar play for? And remember, no. But remember, they remember um, New Jersey won the Stanley Cup, and it was a battle between Jaguar and uh, Brodeur. Oh, it was Colorado. He was playing for. I'm, I can't. Uh, I gotta check it out. Or was it uh, Patrick? Wall? I don't remember. But it, and basically, New Jersey won the cup, but they gave the Conn Smythe to um, Jaguar. Um, so I, I'll look it up at, um, while you're speaking. Um, but basically, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the Jake Allen has been ha, ha, has been unbelievable. He had um, a game one for the ages, and Minnesota actually tied the game up with like 20 seconds left. But Allen continued to stand on his head, and, and uh, St. Louis got the um, excuse me, excuse me, they. Uh, they got uh, they got the overtime goal. Um, I, I think Minnesota's dead in the water, and uh, St. Louis takes this. If not in five, they'll take it back at home in, in Game Six. Yeah, I do too. Jake Allen's been that good, and yeah. who you know what's funny? They're getting contributions from a guy they just signed who used to play for them and used to play for the Bruins. If you remember Vladimir Saboka. 
Yes, yes. I, 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 it's crazy seeing that name. I know. I thought he was, well, not literally dead, but I thought but his then, hockey yeah. career was dead. And then, By the way, let, let, me, he, let me interrupt you pretty quickly. Let me interrupt you quickly. So the 2003 Stanley Cup Finals, uh, New Jersey defeated uh, Anaheim in seven games, but they gave the, um, the con smite to uh, John Shabastin Jaguer, um, the goalie of Anaheim, who was lights out the entire postseason. Basically, Anaheim didn't really belong, and he just carried them the whole way um, and flamed out in Game 7. They lost 3 to nothing. But I remember Game 7 was in New Jersey, so all the fans were booing like crazy when he got the con smite instead of Brodeur. Um, so that was I don't know why I thought that he played for Colorado when the Devils beat them in the Stanley Cup, because I think it was still Patrick Wall at that point. Was, yeah, five, potentially, yeah. But anyways, go, go ahead. So, I mean, yeah, St. Louis, you know, just you look, you look at the way St. Louis is built. I don't see them as a contender, and they, I, I see them probably le- even losing in the second round. Yeah, I do too. But, I mean, Jake Allen's been playing out of his mind, like you said. He's been the better goalie in that series, and he's been one of the, the better goalies in the playoffs to watch so far. So, I mean, he's the whole reason that they're in this series because all, all the games have really been low scoring. Yeah, so, I, I feel bad for Dubnik because Dubnik's been awesome, but, but Allen's just outplaying him. Yeah, I yeah, but I, I think I'm with you. St. Louis is always one of those teams that shows up in the playoffs and then just doesn't really do a whole lot, except for last year when they went to the conference finals. But you know, let's see, let's see what happens. Let's see who they end up with in the second round. They're like the Peyton Manning organization. Shout out to John Schantz, who hates Peyton Manning. Um, who doesn't? Yeah, as me too, as a Pats fan. But anyways, um, I I kept the best for last. Um, Maybe, or most likely, the most entertaining series so far in the postseason has been Edmonton-San Jose. A few uh, really close games. Um, Edmonton comes into San Jose for Game 4, up two games to one. And San Jose just layeth the smackdown all over them. Um, and they won Game 4, 7 to nothing. Uh, Pavelski was an absolute stud. Joe Thornton did his usual uh, passing uh, extraordinaire uh, performance. Uh, so that series is tied 2-2 going back to Edmonton. I'm definitely curious to get your take on this series and what you think is going to come out of it. Um, I will just say, I don't know if I've ever said this on the air, um, but I actually, since the Bruins traded Joe Thornton um, to the Sharks back in 06, I've actually rooted for the Sharks on the side. Um, and I was rooting hard for them last year to beat the Penguins, not just because I can't stand the Penguins or Crosby, but because I still am a huge Joe Thornton fan, and I really want to see him get a Stanley Cup. Um, And it kills me to root against Edmonton, because I love McDavid, um, I love Milan Lucic, um, and I think, you know, Edmonton fans are are phenomenal. Um, But I I just, I love Joe Thornton, I really want to see him lift the cup in in his career. Um, And so I've always rooted for the Sharks a little bit on the side. And so, you know, it was nice to see them uh, to do that. And uh, San Jose is also a little bit of a surprising hockey city. They were they were a nothing city before Thornton came along and basically totally turned that entire organization around, along with uh, Patrick Marlowe. And now you know everyone in, in San Jose is uh, they're they're big MLS fans for the earthquake and they're and they're huge uh, hockey fans for the Sharks. But what do you got on uh, what do you got on this series, Jesse? I picked the Oilers, I think, to win in six games, if I remember right. But, I mean, that's been a fun series to watch. And, again, I haven't been able to watch too much of it because of the time the game starts. But, I mean, from what I have watched, they're just they, – they're both fun cities, like hockey cities. They both look like they're a lot of fun to play. And we know how good of a hockey city San Jose is because we've seen – the Sharks have been good for a long time. Yep. But watching those two games in Edmonton, man, that place is just alive. 
And been, I mean, we've been desperately waiting for the playoffs for ten years. Yeah, and I think that's what's so exciting because I mean, how long have we been waiting for Edmonton to you know make the jump to the playoffs? I mean, they've had the number one pick in the draft like a million times over the last ten years, and they still yeah. were really shitty up until this year. So it's it's fun to see. I mean, I think Edmonton is a young, fun team. Cam Talbot's been really good for most of the year, and I just think that the Sharks are kind of banged up. So I, you know, the longer the series goes on, I think Edmonton wears them out. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see uh, Edmonton getting that win in Game Five, um, but then I see the Sharks winning Game Six. And even though Edmonton's got the advantage with the, um, you know, with a home game, Game Seven. Um, you know, anything can happen game seven. So uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I, I won't be, like, heartbroken if San Jose loses because, like you said, like I, I, I like Edmonton. Edmonton's a, a fun team, um, but certainly would love to see uh, Thornton uh, get his. And I love his beard. Just a beautiful beard. That uh, whole team is, it, like, well, not the whole team, but, like, Brent Burns, Joe Thornton, it, like, reminds yep. me of the 2013 Red Sox. Yeah, no, for sure. But I, I thought you were going to take that in a different direction. I, I think the, the, that that whole team is a fun team to watch. You know, uh, Burns Burns could be looking at the Norris Trophy, um, and he's going to be a hard. He's going to be in consideration for the heart. Um, Thornton, Marlowe, Pavelski, Logan Couture. They got Joel Ward underratedly, and then uh, you know, I love Rask. I'll forever love Rask. Um, but I have, uh, you know, it's well documented my love for Martin Jones. And I think that was a, a very opportunistic move by San Jose to send a first rounder to the Bruins um, and to get him. And he led them to the, to the cup finals last year. Uh, he's a hell of a goalie, hell of a team, hell of a series. Um, and as per usual, if you're, if, you're, if you're not, if you don't get up for playoff hockey, I don't really know what to tell you. It's, it's heart stopping stuff. It's really just so exciting. Um, so we will, uh, be recording next week. I truly hope and pray it's not a season wrap up, uh, not a season wrap up episode. And we're still uh, talking about the Bruins and their postseason um, exploits. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what's going on there. Um, just to, you know, some, some, uh, guess a public service announcement on the, on the podcast. So, uh, myself, Jesse, and Andrew have been discussing, um, you know, what we want to do for the off season. We certainly want to record some episodes, and we plan on recording some best episodes. Probably won't be the the weekly that we do during the season, but we're certainly going to make sure to, um, you know, to get some episodes in over the off season. Certainly, one surrounding the draft um, and some preseason, you know, free agency moves. Um, and you know, just be sure to follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, for updates on when we're going to be recording, when we'll be dropping uh, some hits. And Jesse, I'll let you uh, let everyone know where they can find us. Yep. So you can find us on Twitter at the Spoke to Be Pod uh, on Facebook. Uh, just search the Spoke to Be Podcast in the search bar. You can email us uh, the Spoke to Be Podcast at gmail.com. Um, also, subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. We've been uh, our subscribers have been uh, on the uptick, which is really nice. So we appreciate everybody who's been subscribing. Awesome. But you know, make sure you keep doing it, so that way when we post, you'll know and you can listen right away. For sure. So we, the way we're looking at it right now is, um, we got a game five tomorrow night, seven thirty, uh, in Ottawa. If the Bruins can can get the job done, uh, they will come back to Boston for a game six on Sunday. Um, do we Bruins, know the time of that? 
on Sunday no, if it happens? It's, it's TBD right now. It's TBD. Okay. Um, and so is a potential game seven, which would be in Ottawa on Wednesday night. Um, I would assume that uh, myself, Jesse, Andrew, and uh, John would attempt to do a recording uh, before that game seven, assuming, you know, hoping that there is one. But uh, for now, we got to take it one game at a time. Um, game five tomorrow night. Um, thanks again to producer John Shantz. Um, as always, um, join with Jesse Gantz. Um, Andrew Cox, we miss you tonight. So we'll get you back for the next episode. I'm Zach Weiner. Let's go Bruins.